Hello everybody, you're welcome to another exciting and packed episode of Ugo Steak. And this is the Ugo Steak Football Show. And um, today's episode is really action action I say action packed. Probably I should say action action packed, but it's really filled with to- various topics I would like to talk on because it's like having two episodes having two episodes smushed or smooshed in one. Um, because we're talking about transfer deadline, you know, reacting to the Liverpool game, reacting to the Man United um, sports game, reacting to the statement made by um, Man City's chief executive, Ferran Soriano, and also um, addressing Pogba's um, statement he made during an interview um, while on international duty, because, you know, the uh, international um, teams are playing at the moment. They're having international friendlies. They're having um, World qualifiers that are doing the ball, um, for instance, and also having friendly matches um, like you had Nigeria and take on Algeria and lost one near. So this was something that happened during an interview. So um, the part of the things we'll be talking about today that I will be giving my take on so it promises to be an exciting episode so now before i start two things i love to say one if you want to start something just to encourage anyone that is listening out there you could be a student you know you could be a a, um, a, a contractor you could be in paid employment or you could be an influencer whatever you you are you know there are things that you want to do and it seems like you can't do it or you don't have all the tools you need to do it you know you 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 just have to start you know you have to start don't just um let the things you have prevent you from starting like i've always wanted to do this but sometimes i would think oh i don't have this i don't have the right backdrops i don't have the right lighting and stuff like that but at the end of the day i decided i realized that once you start you get better and then things start to flow because the more you waste on the more time you waste on the things you don't have that's you 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 fail you keep failing i think that's what i i would want to say if you don't start you never know if you'll be a success at anything so for me just start if you want to be a podcaster, you've got your mic. There are various apps you can use on Apple uh, Store, on uh, Google Play Store. You want to be a model, you start. You want to be a plumber, you start. Start with that course that you want to do. Well, I'm not into motivational speaking, I'd, <laughs> so I'll just go straight to the podcast. But I hope that has helped someone, someone that has listened to this. Um, quick um, plugs, uh, self-plugs. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Steak Ugo. You can follow me on Instagram at Ugo's Steak underscore Ugo's underscore Take. On uh, Instagram, you can also send me an email to ugosteak at coolsite.net. And you could also follow me on Facebook at Ugo's Take. So let's dive right in. First off, we're looking at the transfer deadline day. So, various moves. Uh, had happened or rather happened during the transfer deadline and obviously i won't be dealing with all of them at this point but i would be looking at a few of these um and trans- transfers that went through so that was the thomas Partey move from um atletico madrid to arsenal football club for 45 million pounds that was his bio clause and you know <laughs> in la liga if you have the buyout clause, you have to get it to the player's account and have it paid, you know, into um, at the La Liga Secretariat, have it filed and all, and that's how you trigger a buyout clause in um, La Liga. And then that was done by um, Arsenal, and now he's an Arsenal player. So for me, quick reaction: What do I think about Thomas Partey? I think he's he's someone that would give something different. You know, he would give something different to the Arsenal team because usually. Arsenal is um, notorious, or rather has been notorious for having a weak centre, especially in the midfield. You know, so teams come at them, hard play, tough play, and they overwhelm them. 
you know so that's usually been the the, the gripe people have with Arsenal you know Troy Dini, the captain of Watford said oh Arsenal lack of the coherence you know lack the the the, the fortitude testicular fortitude if if I may you know to actually see out games grind out results against teams so I think Thomas Partey he's a talented player a skillful player not at the level of a Neymar, but a skillful player, but a powerful player, reminds me of uh, Michael Hessian, you know, one time Chelsea midfielder and played for Real Madrid as well. So he'll be a good addition, a really good, a useful addition to um, Arsenal. For me personally, I would have loved to see um, Thomas Partey play in the middle of the park with um, Lucas Torreira, but Lucas Torreira went the other way to uh, Atletico Madrid, I think it's a loan. I'm not quite sure if it was an option to buy, but um, that would have been nice to see because uh, Lucas Torreira is another hard-tackling midfielder, hard-tackling player, and I'd have loved to see how they would have built a relationship in the midfield. So that's that for Thomas Partey and Arsenal. The next transfer that caught my eye, or rather that I want to speak about, is the Armand Diallo. Aman Diallo moved to uh, Man United from Atlanta. He's an 18-year-old winger. He's a promising, but last season he only scored once. I, he only scored once, I think, in last at, uh, in the last Serie A season. So, is one for the future? Yes, maybe. But is it what Man United needs at this point in time? Is it the kind of player they need right now? Um, because we'll be talking about them later on. You know, as the show goes on, you know, so is it the kind of player that Man United need at this point in time? Uh, do they need players for the future right now? Um, because you already have the academy structure, you could just sign the player for the academy to the academy scouts and then you move on. But actually, sign the player and say he's for the future. Um, let's see, is that part of Man United's new ethos going into um, the uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's, um Era, so let's see what happens. What happens there, you know? So for me, I'm interested because it's a young star and it's relatively unknown, you know. Though he's uh, played in Syria for Atlanta, so let's see what happens there. Whether he he's one for the future or he gets to play some minutes in the first team this season for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, then that's left to be seen. So. Let's move on to yet another signing for my United. And this is a more, you know, the reason for signing this player is more clear. There's more clarity around that. And you're certain that if everything goes on rightly, he doesn't come back injured from um, the international um, competition. Play While he's playing with Brazil, the international games he's played with Brazil, then you're thinking he's going to start. So he's... Alex Telles. Alex Telles is a left back for FC Porto and he was signed, I think, <laughs> for 15 million, I think, 15 million euros or thereabout. And in today's world, that's an absolute snip. In today's transfer uh, a world, it's an absolute snip because any player who's um, has first team caliber that <laughs> you sign for uh, anything short of. 50 million at this point because the whole transfer uh, the whole transfer scene has gone crazy absolutely bonkers has gone absolutely absolutely bonkers you know this 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 era so you see players going for 80 million 90 million 100 million for the fa- 8 60 million and you ask yourself what have these players really done and you would have suspected that someone who's played for Porto I think he's won the Portuguese league with FC Porto and He's a Brazilian international as well. You'd have thought maybe, probably, he would go for at least a 35, 40 million pounds. But it's a snip. So he's an accomplished left back. Let's see what he can do for uh, Man United going in um, to the season. So um, Alex Telles, more established, definitely a more established player than um, Aman Diallo. Um, who's just a youngster, so he goes ra- straight into the first team probably, and let's see what he does. Let's see what he does for Man United. And I think 
it will be a decent signing. But the Premier League is people alive. That's it. You may be a superstar somewhere else, but once you get to the Premier League, it's it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. It's not all glitz and glamour. Sometimes you have to buckle down and get into playing tough games. You know, into getting into physical battles with players. You know, meeting really pacey wingers in the Premier League. So let's see what happens with that one. But let's see. I'm, I'm I think he's going to be good. It's going to be a decent signing for my United. I wonder what my United fans think. My United fans are maybe listening to this. You could send me an email, or you could send a comment in the comment section on my Instagram, or send me a DM, and let's have a conversation on what you think. Um, there's also a link where I could also send to you as well that you could send your contributions or your opinions on the signing of Alex Telles and Aman Diallo. So now that's for that with respect to um, the United transfers. Now, no, that I lie. That's wrong. Um, we also have one more signing coming in for my United. This is a free transfer. A free transfer from... From anywhere, it was a free transfer. You know, Edison Cavani used to play for um, PSG. Um, you know, I remember he used to play for Palermo. I think just was linked to him at some point, and then he went to um, Napoli. And then from Napoli, he's gone. He went up to um, PSG and scored a lot of goals for the French side. And um, I'm guessing the French, the French side, PSG probably have looked at him to say, "Oh, he's in his 30s, he's going into his 30s, you know." So maybe not the best bet for us or the best option for us looking forward. So maybe we don't renew his contract and let him go. And it's understandable because once the player gets to be the age that. Um, he got to be, except you're his Latin that doesn't seem to age, closer to think, uh, probably, yeah, we should let him go, and he was let go, and my United swooped in to sign him, um, now the, but the question remains <laughs> was this a panic buy, you know, especially after the results, um, this past EPL weekend, which I will be talking about um, very, very shortly at the end of this segment of the of the um, podcast or of, of the, of the of this episode, so was there a panic buy because you had the result they had because Cavani has always been a free agent. He has he doesn't he hasn't just suddenly become a free agent. He has been a free agent for quite some time now. And if my United were really interested, if that was if he was part of their plan going for going into this um, this season once he became free. Um, a free agent, they should have just gone up and then negotiated with him and his um, agent and then got him to the club, paid his way, signed on bonuses and things like that and got him to the team playing from the first day of the season. But um, who knows? No one can know what's going on in the mind of Ed Woodward or what's going on in the mind of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So, I don't know. Let's see what he does. Some that some people are saying, okay, he would be like an experienced head that comes into the, the dressing room and gives that winning mentality to, uh, I'm sure, some sort of leadership um, to likes of Martial, to Rashford, and and things like that. So while that may be true, but one thing about leadership is communication. You should be able to speak. You should be able to talk. You should be able to communicate now. I don't know how good his English is because most of the people in the dressing room would be English, would be English speaking at least. Um, and how do you then communicate? But then again, you have people who are very international in their communication skills in um, the My United team. Like you have Alex, uh, Alex Pogba, that's just silly. You have Paul Pogba um, in the... Um, my United team and he speaks about five languages. So, if he, I'm guessing he speaks Italian, so he'll be able to communicate with um, Cavani, and he speaks Spanish. I think he speaks Spanish as well, so he'll be able to communicate with him um, as well. So, uh, now for me, would this call go? Does he go straight into the team? Do you push Rashford out wide and 
push uh, Martial at wide and have Cavani as a center forward? Do you go 4-3-3? Or do you go 4-4-2 where you have him and Rashford as an attacking pair? It's left to be seen what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would do. You know, uh, what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would do with regards to using uh, um, Edison Cavani. So, that's that for Edison Cavani. Wish him all the best. Let's see what happens. Now, the f- moving on next to the final transfer bit that I will be talking about today. I know it's not the... Uh, uh, <laughs> it's not the most popular, should I say, or most groundbreaking transfer news, but it's just about a player that I really like and I've expected him to really go on far. Uh, you know, in his career, I've already, I always thought of him as having the skill, the power, you know, the composure, you know, having everything it takes to be a world-class player, a world-class midfielder. And it just seems injury after injury after injury just wouldn't let this player be. And that's Ruben Luftus-Cheek, the Chelsea youngster. He was part of the team that started the FA, Cup, FA Youth Cup winning um, frenzy for the um, for the for the Chelsea academy side. So, and then he gained promotion to the first team. Was loaned out to Crystal Palace. He was impressive at Crystal Palace. Came back to Chelsea and was really really good. Chelsea and then sometimes you just don't know what to do you just don't know what to say you just sometimes you feel like is it written in the stars that he will never be an accomplished player for Chelsea because right in the middle of the season a friendly pops up from nowhere I'm guessing the hierarchy at Chelsea already had it planned out and set out in stone from the beginning but there was suddenly a friendly game against an MLS side, um, New England Revolution. Chelsea had to travel to the US and play the game against the side. And, well, we, you just would know it. Lucas Chick got injured. And that was it for, uh, for him. And that was the season. He missed out on Europa League that he has done so well to lead the team to the uh, Europa League uh, final. And then... Not lead the league, like lead the league, not like lead them, like he was the only good player, but he was outstanding, outstanding. I know then you had the Hosnodoy talk about Hosnodoy, but he was really outstanding, played very well for um, the London side. And then the injury just came and caught his run to the final shot. Chelsea went on to win the Europa League with Maurizio Sarri at the helm. And then this season or towards the last later part of last season Lampard would bring him in in a few games a couple of games and he just doesn't look the same player I'm hoping he gets his confidence back and also early part of this season Lampard played in the Brighton game and to be fair to Lamp to Frank Lampard he uh, looks like he wasn't really at his best nowhere near his best during the Brighton game so he's been known to um, newly promoted side uh, Fulham, Fulham United, uh, known to Fulham, you know. So Fulham Football Club. So let's see what happens. Let's see what happens with that. If he's able to play, uh, play well for the team, and maybe regain his um, confidence, because that's one thing with special players. They're not really the ability is not really honed. Or determined by so much training, I would say, but or it's important to train an athlete. But it the ability is really built on their confidence. Once they get the confidence back that they can do the thing, then you see them playing very well. So I'm just hoping he gets his confidence back and plays a central role for Fulham. Maybe he helps them stay up, um, but at least he's able to come back to Chelsea and really have. Uh, stick a claim for a place in the team because I think he's a spectacular talent and it would be a shame for him to just peter out, you know. So that's um, that's it for the that's it for the um, my transfer reaction, 
my reaction to the transfer deadline day. Um, that's my reaction to it. I know there have been loads and loads of transfers that um, went on during the um, transfer season um, and even during the transfer deadline day. But my intention was not to look at all of them because that would mean an entire show or even <laughs> a 24 hour show. I just decided to pick a few that I will talk about on this episode of the Ugo Football Show. And after after this, um, we'll be looking at um, the Liverpool game, the Aston Villa game, the Spurs United, the Liverpool Aston Villa game, the, the um, Spurs Man United game. And after then, next we'll be talking about Ferrano Soriano. Ferran Serrano's um, suggestion and his comments that made Twitter go boom. At least football tweet as well <laughs> made football Twitter go really, really crazy. So, um, just this this is the end of the first segment. If you're on YouTube, you watch me go on. If you're on um, listening to the podcast while you're driving, you know or on via via Apple Podcasts or Spotify, then just hold on a second and I will be with you very shortly. The decline. Liverpool in the decline? That's what we're talking about this segment is Liverpool in the decline now because the past EPL weekend they got hammered absolutely hammered seven goals to two you know by Aston Villa no one would have predicted it even if you were uh, an Aston Villa fan even if you were born on the hallowed grounds of the Aston Villa <laughs> pitch there's no way you would have predicted this you know, maybe you would have predicted a 2-1 win uh, or a 1-1 draw, or maybe you lose 3-0, which would have been the would have been expected. And I predicted a loss for Aston Villa playing against Liverpool, because of course, two seasons ago, Liverpool were the Champions League winners. Then this past season, the the league winners, the one league at the counter almost. You know, just leaving Man City in their wake and you expected you expected them to really go on to smash and this season though they haven't been playing to the best of their potential they have been winning as well they've been on a good winning streak and then you lose to an Aston Villa and everyone suddenly seems to have discovered that Liverpool plays with a high line that's how that's how Liverpool has always played with a high line always 100% Liverpool always plays with a high line always always Liverpool plays with a high line so it's not it's nothing new it's just that Aston Villa was able to take advantage of the high line you know there's a game Chelsea Liverpool and there was just a gigantic space in behind Trent Alexander-Arnold. So, in football, something's got to give. That's what people forget. That's what people tend to, you know, allow to elude them. In football, if you decide to play deep with two banks or four, you're going to cede possession to the opposition. That's just plain fact. That's just plain truth. You know, same thing if you decide to play high octane, high pressing, like um, Jurgen Klopp would call it, heavy metal football, you leave space, you would always leave spaces in behind. So it's nothing new. You know, it's nothing new. It's not suddenly, wow, the Liverpool is suddenly playing with a high line. No, <laughs> that's how it's been. That's how it's been. They've always played with a high line. I always play with a high line. So, they were taking advantage of, <laughs> and they lost 7-2. So, the question is, does this mean Liverpool is on the decline? Nope. 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 
it just means that they had a really, 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 really bad day. Does this mean Aston Villa will finish in the Champions League places? Who knows, they may, but it doesn't necessarily mean they would. Because we've seen teams have very good starts to the season and then they pitch it out. Aston Villa fans wouldn't want to hear wouldn't want to hear this, but that's possible. Now, it's one thing if they can build on these performances and finish in the top half of the table. Cool. You know. But man, 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 this, this was really an excellent performance for these guys. The outstanding performance. Jack Grealish was at the heart of everything good for them. And then even Jeloni, uh, Ross Barkley, that was loaned from Chelsea to Aston Villa scored on his debut. So everything went right for the uh, Villa team. And Van Dijk, now, I'm going to say this about uh, Virgil Van Dijk. He's an outstanding defender, but it always gets me crazy. Like, almost raving mad crazy. When pundits who've been in the game, who've actually played the game, you know, for 10, 15, 20 years, and then they make what I'll call slightly silly statements. Like Van, Div- like Van Dijk is the best defender ever. He's better than uh, uh, um, <laughs> your Maldinis. He's better than your Alexander Nestor's. People who define the position. You know, how how many years has Van Dijk been and in the top flight? Like played at the very, very highest level. You could say maybe four years maybe due respect to Southampton a good team excellent Premier League team but they're not at the highest of high levels Celtic is a good team <laughs> they probably would win the Scottish League this season again and probably rub the face of, of Rangers in, in the dust while doing it but that's not the elite elite level so maybe four seasons maybe you know, as an elite level, playing at the an elite level, and you want to crown him the best defender ever? Come on now. And it shows. He can be gotten out. He can be taken advantage of against Leeds United. He made a mistake for um, Patrick Bamford's goal against Aston Villa. His leadership skills were nowhere to be seen, and they got hammered seven-two. Let's face it, 7-2. This may be a flash in the pan, a, a very broad pan at that, but it's 7-2, it got smashed. So you, he can, you can say he's one of the best defenders and if he continues to play at an elite level, he could end up his career as the best defender ever. Perfect. But it seems in football commentary, since when you're talking about football, you take people take take out context. You know, people like to take out context, take out everything else, and just run with a title that gets people jumping in a frenzy. You know, Ooh, oh yeah, yeah, Virgil Van Dijk, the best defender ever. No, come on, guys, he is one of the best defenders now. You could argue that he's the best defender at the moment in this era, at this time. But to say he's the best defender ever, no way, no way, no way, no way, folks, no way. Because what makes you the best in any field is not just your ability or your skill, is but how long you performed at that top elite level. You know, at that top elite level, how long you perform at that top elite level? Yeah, how long you performed at that level? Maldini performed for years and years and years. You know, Baresi. So you want to tell me oh, suddenly he's better than Franz Beckenbauer? Come on, now, come on. How can you say he's the best defender ever? What do you mean? He's an excellent defender. He's a very good player. He's one of the best defenders now. And you can argue that he's the best defender at this point in time. But to say he's the best ever, no. 
No, you can't say that. You can't say it, of course, but you'd be wrong, in my opinion, at least. So, Liverpool, hmm, I've gone a bit of, I've gone on a bit of a run there. So, just forgive me, please. But Liverpool, they're not on a decline because I know people like to sensationalize stuff to sensationalize stuff. Got it right. Sometimes I speak too fast for my own good. You know, sometimes they like to make stuff look so bad or so good, look it, make it look worse than it is or look um, better than it is. So Liverpool, that not declining at the moment, but if this type of performance, they have a repeat of this type of performance, maybe two, three, four times, similar performances, losing to teams that they should be smashing, they should be winning, then you begin to think to yourself, Jurgen Klopp, come on now, it seems like you've lost the plot, but for now, it's just one game, one very, very torturous game, if you were a Liverpool fan, (laughs) it's a very torturous game if you're indeed a Liverpool fan, (laughs) That's one game that would keep you up at night, like giving you real football nightmares, like fever dreams, if you are a Liverpool a fan. But the good news is, your team at this point in time are not on a decline. At least that's my opinion, you know, and I don't like to make stuff more than they are. So that's it for me. I think Liverpool, they're not on a decline, but very very bad results that no one's no one saw coming and let's give due credit to Aston Villa like I said earlier on they took advantage of Liverpool of Liverpool's high line it's nothing new Jimmy Carragher talked about it Shaka Hislop on ESPN FC talked about it high line but they've always played with a high line in football something has got to give if you want to be an exciting side that that holds the ball possession, if your game is possession based, for instance, like the Barcelona under Pep Guardiola, Frank Rijkaard, you know, possession based, hold the ball, teams will always sit deep against you to deny you space in the middle of the park, and then try to ruffle you with tough tackles, you know, body you, and then try to hit long balls to make you uncomfortable. That's it. Same thing if you play high octane football, high up the pitch, you press high up the pitch, you leave space in behind. It's nothing new. You all be taking advantage of. In football, is how you, as a team, as a coach, as players, you can impose your will, not just your physical will on the pitch, but your intellectual will, your tactical will on your opponents. And if you're able to at the end of the day, impose your will successfully, then you win. So, bottom line is, the high line is nothing new. You know, so, that's it for the Aston Villa game, and Aston Villa-Liverpool game. That's my reaction to it. Liverpool's not on a decline yet. Not on a decline yet. Not on a decline yet. Okay. Now, let's go on to Spurs Man United. Whew! This was one homecoming <laughs> that um, Jose Mourinho would really, really enjoy. Like this, this one he would really enjoy and make a little noise about as much noise as some pundits seem to be making again, overreacting, overreacting to stuff. You know, suddenly Spurs and now Barcelona. What now? They good side. Don't get me wrong, good side, but have they been this season? One. Secondly, what? Which team did they come up against? That's why for me, the Aston Villa result is <laughs> a more shocking result or a more outstanding result than the the sports result because we know my United has won thirteen league titles, thirteen Premier League titles. But in the past three, four years, or even just looking at last season and this season, 
they haven't been the greatest. So a win over Man United suddenly makes Spurs top four contenders, <laughs> or suddenly makes them the new Liverpool or the new Barcelona. Come on now, pipe down, pipe it down a bit. A good result, they can build on it and go on to achieve great things this season. But for you to go on to say suddenly that they are the best team in the in the league, or they're gonna win the league, come on now, no, 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 miss me with that. Let it just fly right over my head. <laughs> I don't know why we why football pundits do this. Can't we just say good performance, very good play? Let's hope they build on this rather than saying, oh, they're suddenly the best. And people saying, oh, they had the best um, transfer window. Really? Because they signed Gareth Bale? Gareth Bale, don't get me wrong, is a very good player. Excellent world-class player. But he's not as great as he used to be. He's not the same player that left Spurs six, seven years ago all these years ago he's not the same player because he's older now he's in his 30s I think he's just getting into his 30s and he's been injury prone and once you have your knee injured as much as you do you know as often as you do and you're a player that relies on pace you know, or at least your game is founded on pace, then it becomes an issue. For me, the team who's had the best transfer window so far, you know, until January, then we would have a review, you know, it's Chelsea Football Club who've had the best transfer window so far because this is how I rate transfer windows. Sorry, I'm digressing a bit. This is how I rate transfer window transfer windows who's had the best transfer window is the team you would be most disappointed in if they don't finish very well if Chelsea finishes 6th and Spurs finishes 7th now even the new neutral fans could be more disappointed in Chelsea because they spend more money they sign more attacking talent um, do I disagree that Kepa was a problem they've replaced Kepa with the, with the goalkeeper Peter Cech wanted the goalkeeper that Frank Lampard wanted is now in between the sticks so if Chelsea's had the best transfer window you can tell me Spurs has because they signed players itching ecking into the prime of their careers like Timo Werner, Kai Havertz you know um Hakim Zayic or Hakim Zayic I don't pronounce the name so they've had the best season and the goalkeeper as well, he's 28 years old, so for goalkeepers, that's like he's getting to his prime. Goalkeeper could play till he's 38. So he, he, he technically, or hypothetically rather, has like 10 years in him to play at the top level for Chelsea. So Chelsea has had the best chance of winning because people will be more disappointed if they finish worse than Spurs. Now, talk, taking nothing away from Spurs, Spurs had a good game against Man United. They played very well and won 6 1. <laughs> Does that suddenly change the mindset of everyone? Does that suddenly make Jose Mourinho the most attacking team or attack minded coach in the world? No, 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 no. No, man, I mean, no. Because we saw it in Real, at Real Madrid. Finished with high, the most goals, but they were still very defensive. And that was because that's Real Madrid. They would always have more, more of the ball in, in La Liga. You know, came to Chelsea. It went back to the same old things. Now, the coaches who are attack-minded, whatever, come what may, like your Jurgen Klopp, so despite the fact they've lost, lost 7-2, they'll still go all out and attack the next game. Man City, despite they lost, was it 5-2 to Leicester City, they'll still go all out the next game to attack. Now, if Spurs loses a game 1-0, immediately, Mourinho would shift back to his defensive football. And back to the Man United factor. You know, Man United hasn't been 
the most exciting team. They haven't been the most informed team in the league. So let's just pop the brakes a bit. If Spurs had beat a Bam City, then you say, wow, yeah, they beat one of the big guns. If they have beat, beaten a, sport, uh, um, a Liverpool, then you say, yeah, now that's it. Mourinho has shown it. If I say the Aston Villa result is much better to me, you know, it's, it's more for performance than the one uh, um, Spurs put up against Man United. Now let's go to the minor side of things. Boy. Oh, only Gunnar Solskjaer has to rely so much on his legendary status this season to save his job if things trend the way they are trending. They've already lost to Crystal Palace 3-0, was it 3-0, 3-1? But they've lost to Crystal Palace. Now they've lost to Spurs 6-1. What does that do for the confidence of the players? Let's see what happens. What does that do for the confidence of the players? Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Do they all put their tails between their legs and start to sulk? Or do they build on this to say, come on guys, let's show them who United are. Let's show them we are actually um, the Man United of old. So let's see what happens with respect to, to that and let's move on from there. So. That's that's it for um, my reaction to the Spurs United game. And in the next segment, I'll be t- taking up two topics. Two topics, which would be uh, Man City CEO, the statement he made, you know, uh, at a Leaders Week um, conference seminar that's and was brought on on Talk Sports and Jamie O'Hara and Alan, Alan Brazil, I think, and Alex McCoy had um, sort of um, a discussion about it on Talk Sport. And um, I had a slightly different opinion from <laughs> from the reactions I got on Twitter. Was eh, um, really not the most popular opinion, but I stand by my opinion. And then um, Pogba's statement. I say he's flirtation with um, uh, Real Madrid. So let's come back to this in the next segment. Thanks for listening. And for me, <laughs> um, now I'm talking about the statement made by Man City's Chief Executive Officer, um, Ferran Sariano. He said something. And he said that, I wish I had the quote up, I would love to read out the quote, but I would just go on to say, paraphrase. Now, he said that the, Premier, the English football has a problem and that's with respect to giving um, young players meaningful um, game time, meaningful preparation for first team football and he talked about the English English football not having um, team B's and in his opinion that was a kind of problem for English football and he said um it would be good, it would be helpful if English football, English um, football authorities found a way to introduce um, Premier League Team Bs of PL2 teams into um, the EFL. Now that sent people into a frenzy, like I said, um, Jamie, Jamie O'Hara, uh, one time midfielder for um, Tottenham Hotspurs, was of the opinion that. Um, that would be bad for English football. That it would take really <laughs> food figuratively out of the mouth of English of um, teams in the EFL, teams in League One and League Two, and things like that. And people on Twitter, because I said it was an excellent idea, people on Twitter went to some people. You know how Twitter is, and social media generally were hauling insults, 
some people constructively disagreed with me um saying that would just be uh putting all the focus on the premier league and then the premier league will be taking the places of efl teams and some you know some some true at me you don't understand english culture you don't understand english culture in my head that's how they sound you don't understand english culture that's why you said that no is man city not an english team it is now in life whether in business in your personal life in whatever we do as humans we have to look at people who are in the same field or who are in the same phase in life how are they progressing how are they dealing with similar issues similar problems that we you know that we are also facing ourselves and then we learn from them now let's look at germany and look at spain as a 16 year old 17 year old you already have like 30 40 games playing in front of 20 30 40000 uh, 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 supporters you know playing in games that have meaning you know you can actually be re- relegated you know like because you have uh, the, the liga b in, in the spanish la liga you know where you have the barcelona b team playing you have the real madrid um beating that the castilla playing you know so there's people are saying going to take food out of the mouth of teams and all that but you can always have rules in place and we're looking at players between 20 because let's look at who are the players that are presently allowed to play in the pl teams you have players 21 and younger 21 and 18 they're about and then you have players that are recovering from injury like Bashwai played a game once for the pl2 side of chelsea rudiger did the same when he was recovering from injuries you know so essentially that's what that is now people some others say and um, it shouldn't be competition for uh, for these guys it won't do anything for them because it wasn't the efl trophy sorry which is a, um, a competition that's between lower league teams and then you have um under 21 um, sides of the um of Premier League teams participating, you know. So Buller said no no team uh, no PL2 team has been able to make it to the final at Wembley. Now for me you can argue from both sides of your mouth. You can try to sometimes, but you just can't succeed. <laughs> you know, you can try to but you just can't succeed. You just can't succeed doing that. You can on one hand say this EFL, this EPL2 teams will get destroyed by the lower league teams, and then on the other hand, you want to say these um, EFL teams would have their place taken away by the PL2 teams. Now, in the German three liga, three liga, which is where you have the Bayern Munich two. You have Stuttgart too, that the Bundesliga teams have their second teams playing there. You don't gain promotion, or those teams can't be promoted as a as Bundesliga side. They can't be promoted out of that place to the Bundesliga. So something similar could apply as well. And then, oftentimes people like to say Premier League teams aren't doing enough for the for the teams at the bottom, and this only comes up each time a team goes into administration. That's another perspective. It's another angle. You know, team goes into administration and the Premier League team isn't doing enough. It's a business. We love the football, but it's a business. Let's get it right. Because all the teams have gone into administration. We are run badly by their owners. They made wrong financial decisions. You know, they over overspent on transfers. And you ask yourself, where is the EFL? Where is the FA when these things are going on? And then, in terms of ownership, how well 
you know, or rather, how deep is the scrutiny for ownership? Not just the foreign owners, you scrutinize the foreign owners as well, but the local owners that acquiring these clubs, what is the scrutiny? How, some time ago, um, the Blackpool fans had an issue with, had not an issue, but real, real issues with the ownership of Blackpool. So what was the EFL doing? What does the EFL do? How does this scrutinize ownership and management? Do these teams not submit accounts to the EFL? You know, doesn't the EFL have a way of checking their books or at least liars with HMRC to understand what's going on at those clubs? So I know everyone likes the big bad wolf. Everyone likes, you know, to say, oh, the Premier League, they're the bad guys. Let's let's get them. Let's get them. They're the bad guys. Mm. Sometimes it's not that way, my friend. Sometimes it's not that way. Now, how do you get the Premier League teams to contribute to, in some way, to the lower teams? How about you get them to participate? in these lower leagues, let's say you have a Man City team or a Liverpool team, you know, you could start with four teams, for instance. Maybe the, all the teams that finish in the top four could have their teams playing in one, in league, in league one, or let's say, you start with non-league, start with non-league and then get promotion to league two, and then you stop at league one, you can never get promoted out of there. And then you, all the clubs are charged with paying a million pounds each. So if it's the four teams, like I've suggested, you have, if it's the four teams, like I've suggested, you have um, four million pounds going into a non, the non-league. You know what that would do for those clubs. Or if you find a way to have all the 20 teams in the EPL, in the English Premier League, playing in various um, non-leagues and league two you and you get them to contribute a million pounds each that's 20 million pounds going to non-league teams and then for each league they are in you have the money going 20 million going to teams below the championship do you know what that would do for those teams that would be excellent for those teams I, I tell you the owners of those of those teams would be really happy you know with such monies coming in and then you could say even if they win the title that is even if the PL2 teams win the, the non-league title again promotion to league, league 2 yeah they would only get like 10% or 20% of their winnings and the remainder of the winnings would go to the clubs to the the other teams in that non-league group or if they gain promotion to league two even if they win league two you get let's say the earnings is um one million pounds or 20 million pounds that's if you get the premier league team to contribute a million pounds each you know what you get is probably they'll get two hundred thousand. Okay, no, no. Probably what they get is two million uh, um, pounds, and then the rest goes to everyone else in the league. That's if they win. So these are things that can be done. And then when they get to League One, they would never gain promotion to the championship. You can put it that way. They will never get promotion to the championship. Or they could gain promotion to the championship, but they can never gain promotion to the Premier League. The way to do it, you know, you're having players who are playing first team football, meaningful games, and let's face it, the championship is a tough league to be in, and you're having kids essentially 21 and under playing against men. It's going to be difficult, like we have with the EFL Trophy. You have lots of people. <laughs> you have you have academy sides. They play so well when they play against themselves. Oh, oh, this guy's so special. But they come against men, twenty-five year olds, twenty-four year olds, twenty-six year olds, thirty year olds. 
we are fully formed muscles and flexing muscles and they just can compete you know even for even for sides in the premier league established sides who uh, get relegated to the championship some of them die there like wigan they're unable to come out <laughs> you know so what are we talking about it's not a given it's in no way a given it's in no way a given that these uh, PL2 sides will just dominate um, the league structure. No. We just dominate the league structure, game promotion League 2, game promotion to League 1, get into the championship and keep bashing at the door of promotion even though they wouldn't be able to uh, uh, pro- pro- get promoted. And this is a way of... Yeah, you're killing two birds with one stone. You're getting financial contributions into these teams. One. Two, you're getting the Premier League Academy players, getting them prepared as men, for men football. Because let's face it, all over the world, whether you're in Germany, Spain, Italy, England, the national team selectors don't usually pick from the lower leagues. That's it. And Premier League teams as well. And sometimes, and there was an argument that someone made um, that these teams would poach players from the lower leagues. Is is that any different from what's happening at the moment? It's still the same thing that's happening. You know, if you're in League Two and Liverpool comes for you, you're going. You're up and away. You're up and away, you know. Um, Andy Robertson, Ro- Andy Robertson was playing for <laughs> Hull City, and then whoop! Once Liverpool came, he was gone, you know. Um, Dele Alli was playing for MK Dons. Once Sports came in, he was gone. So that is not going to be any different. But it would help this young player actually come up against men, play meaningful games. Because right now, you know whether you lose or you win, the way the PL2 is structured, you're going to still come back next season and you play against the same opposition and you're not really developing. And... Sometimes, okay, people say loan players, that's what loaning players is meant for. But now, with FIFA coming up with some rules, I just, I just like, I was just like, why? What? Like, what's the point? What's the point of these rules? Um, limiting the number of players that can be promoted, um, rather that can be loaned out, and things like that. Is that really what you should be thinking about? But that's what the FIFA is coming up with. So, if you have that, that situation, you don't need to loan out your players so much. You have them playing against... It's a win-win for everyone. The lower league teams get um, additional funds from Premier League teams. You know, the Premier League teams have their players playing up against men and getting prepared for top-flight top football. And then again, it's not even a given that they will dominate the league. It's not a given. It's not a given. You know, your uh, um, Harrogate, your uh, Barnsley's, will still body these guys up and probably still win. Your Oxford United will still body these guys up. You know, <laughs> you know I'm laughing because, you know, once you don't agree with some people, they tend to want to attack the fact that you're not. Um, English enough, you get you're not in the country enough. Someone that asking me, um, um, do I does he know where Maidenhead is? How many of you know where Burley is? I'm just asking, do you know where Burley is? If I ask you, wherever you you are, I'm not calling any names, but do you know where Burley is? So I just stayed out of those arguments. So those teams will still dominate, <laughs> those teams. Who still play as well as they've been playing? The EFL Trophy is enough evidence for you to see that mm-mm, the fact that you're 
a 20 year old in the Chelsea Academy or uh, in the Liverpool Academy or in the Manchester Academy and you rub shoulders with um, Ryan Sterling doesn't make you Ryan Sterling you still go there and you get bashed out you get smashed no, none has been no PL2 side has been in the final at Wembley for the EFL trophy so that's it with respect to uh, my reaction to Ferran Soriano Ferran Soriano I'm with you PL2 teams should be allowed in some way to play within the FA football structure some way the way should be found if maybe you could even have a proper league for these PL2 teams then they now play 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 gain promotion to a non, to non-league where they play with men play 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 gain promotion to league 2 and they play and they play they get promotion to league 1 and then championship which they can get out from you're doing a lot for these guys you know let them start at the bottom of the football pyramid not at the though we are at the top don't just hand stuff to them but let them start at the bottom of the football pyramid as long as they're playing organized men's football in proper stadiums where you could have like 2,000, 3,000 fans at least and then progress on and if they're able to get to the championship wouldn't you be glad to see a 16 year old 17 year old you know by the time he's 18 or 20 has like 200 first team senior team men games under his belt come on I'm sure you would love that I would love to see that but some people disagree but I agree with Ferran Soriano so let's go on to the last topic for today and that's Pogba's Madrid's dream you know an interview on while on international duty the uh, international teams um, are playing different game friendlies um, uh, uh, um, playing friendlies are playing Walker qualifiers like in Comedy Ball, like I said, they started their uh, Walker qualifiers already. <laughs> you know, while that has, while this was going on, Pogba had something to say. And what did he say? He said, it was asked about Real Madrid, probably was asked about Real Madrid. So he said, um, Real Madrid is a dream for every player. Yeah, and this is, he said, it's a dream for me. That's like talking about himself, not for me. This is a dream for him. And that, um, but right now, you say one day maybe and then right now but right now he's focused on playing for real um, for playing on for manchester united and getting them to where they want to be and people have reacted to say that was disrespectful to manchester united and people have said he should have kept his mouth shut some people have said he should have said something different i think he does not need to talk about real madrid i think he should have just said um real madrid is a nice club it's a big club they, they achieve great things but I'm a Man United player. I'm happy where I am. And I want to do the best I can do for the team. And stop, stop it there. But one thing I always say is, we're always quick to get on the back of players. But if a player is off form, like Kepa has found out at Chelsea, if a player is off form or out of form, he's quickly dumped. And nobody accuses the club. You say, oh, why did you drop this out of form player? Everyone says, oh, he's out of form, he wasn't playing well. But when a player that is informed, that is important to a club, whether this is playing purposes on the field or commercial or commercially, when he says that he would love to leave or a club, some of that club is good, everyone gets on his back. Oh, this player is, is loyal. No one's really loyal <laughs> in football. The only people who are loyal are the fans. That's it. No one is loyal. No, no one. Coaches are not loyal to players. If you don't meet the instructions of, of the coach, you're dumped. Rudiger hasn't been playing for Chelsea. That's it. You know, Sanchez was bought to Man United. He wasn't meeting their requirements. He was shipped off to Inter Milan. And no one complains. But when a player makes any sound or even says, hmm... I like white. I said, oh, why would you like white? So Real Madrid. Why would you like them? <laughs> Come on. So for me, he did nothing 
really, really wrong. Though, for if I was in his shoes, I would have said something different. So, that's it for me and today's episode of Ugo's Take and the Ugo's Take Football Show. For those of you watching YouTube, subscribe, like, and put comments down in the comment section what you like to see, things you think can be improved upon. Let me know. So if you listen on Spotify, please follow. And I'll have the links up on Instagram very soon as well and on Facebook. And also, before I go for today, there's um, I just want to quickly say you don't want to miss tomorrow's episode. But tomorrow's episode, I'll be focusing in on comic books, my Kickstarter, what happened during my Kickstarter campaign. And I'll, um, more importantly... I'll be looking at the um, SARS issue going on in Nigeria. It's been really, really heartbreaking. And the fact that everyone seems to be quiet about it. I mean, the government seems to be quiet about it. I'm just like, what's going on? You know, so I'll be just giving my own take on it. So once again, it's me, Ugo Amadi, your friendly neighborhood podcaster, (laughs) saying... Bye-bye and enjoy.